Hey everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of Mainstream Boys. Yeah, with a Z. Get your popcorn ready, crack open an ice cold cherry coke, and sit back and relax as Jonathan and Spencer break down the new release films of the week. This week we watch James Wan's new spooky scary passion project featuring some twists and turns nobody will expect, Malignant. So what was your favorite football game from yesterday? It's <sighs> a good question. I was actually going to bring up football. Um, That's why I thought it'd it definitely wasn't it. the Patriots game. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Spencer, for understanding my interests and trying to care, even though you probably don't. It's a work in progress. Um, I did watch the Sunday night football game. I actually only watched the Patriots game and then the Sunday night football game, which was between the Rams and the Bears. Can you name a player on either of those teams? Uh, Matthew Stafford and yeah thank you <laughs> really that was a total guess okay I'll I'll, I'll take he's it. on the Rams yeah that, that's the joke is that he he got traded to the Rams I thought you knew that no I thought he was still with the Lions no no he got traded to the Rams well good so, for him did he yeah. did he win he had a great game they did win by a lot actually wow so uh wow I saw that yeah. the Panthers debuted their new little uh cgi panther mascot that jumped onto the field and ripped a jet uh jets oh really that's kind of cool uh, megatron or something and then like jumped onto the play were the fans able to see that or was it just like more of a virtual experience for the people i was kind of just curious to know if anyone died if there was any casualties because it was a fucking ginormous you didn't see this thing no but i i have seen them do something similar before I, i know they did it uh with the ravens like a few years ago I thought this was really happening. I thought that we were being invaded because look at all the <laughs> people on the imagine, ground. Bro? No one's running. They're all just kind of just you know standing there doing their own thing. No one seems remotely concerned. Like that guy's about just the playing situation. pass. Like he's literally just has no idea that this is a giant panther on screen and it jumps up onto the fucking Megatron again. See, I I have a way that I feel like this video would have been better. And there it goes into the fucking society. I think I don't know. I think it would have been better if they used an actual jet. Like you know how they do flyovers at the games, well, like right after the national anthem. That would make more sense for the Jets. Exactly, they but played the Jets. The so if the Panther just swatted the plane out of the sky, that would have been pretty sick. Missed opportunity. Still I see cool. Where though. you're going now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I was being a little more creative there. You know, I watch a lot of football, so I kind of have that in me. But uh, yeah. Anyway, Spencer, um, glad to have you back on Mainstream Boys, the show where we watch the new release films of the week. Uh, this week, we actually had a movie we gave a shit about watching. We're excited to watch, and it's kind of spooky. I'd say like maybe half the time we do a Mainstream Boys podcast, I'm like actually maybe genuinely less than that, looking to be forward to the movie. <laughs> like, and I'm being kind of lenient with the... Uh, the use of the half. half i think it's maybe yeah 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 i don't know yeah it, no, it's I, not always it's just not always a film that we're expecting to be good but we may have some a relative amount of excitement or just interest in the movie itself whether it's bad and, or and not. also we're, we're basically covering all the films that are coming to streaming sites because we haven't gone back to the theaters yet i mean i know john has you you actually have done a quiet place part two did i just see something you went and saw oh no Shang-Chi. i actually i saw shang chi in theaters so uh okay. at the dine-in that was actually a pretty great movie i was i was into it oh, for good. not seeing a marvel movie in theaters for a very very long time i think the last one was probably spider-man 
uh far from home maybe i don't remember oh from marvel uh whatever the last spider-man movie was after Endgame, yeah. Um, but yeah, Shang Chi, not a bad origin film. <laughs> the last movie I saw in theaters was a cast and crew screening of Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> that is Damn. the last theatrical <laughs> experience that I've had. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean it was cool, but like then again, it's like I, I, the only theaters that are open near me just are the ones where you have to go sit in a desk chair and then people order food and they have to deliver it to That's you. That's the thing. It's, and it's, it's the, the the dining theaters are not that good up up there. Yeah, no. Like if if they were, it's literally desk. I mean, chairs. down. I went to the dining and they don't even have servers anymore because they can't employ them because they don't have enough Damn. money revenue coming into the theater. Which was news to me. You had to like get your food at the bar, and then they just drop it off. They're like, "See you later." So, well, there is good news. There is good news on the horizon. A theater chain did buy like uh, the Cinemagic that used to be here, which basically is like where the IMAX theater is. You got like a curved screen. Right. You got like the big screen stadium seating type of uh, stuff. It's like literally my favorite theaters that I'd, we'd always go to, especially especially around here. But it's a new chain, and they're rebuilding, they're rebranding, and they're hopefully going to open like maybe sometime next year. But uh, I will definitely go see Dune. Like I keep saying on the podcast, I will go and see Dune in theaters. If you don't, I'm really going to roast you. I will. No, I 100% will. Physically roast you on the podcast. Okay. But as I was was trying to say at the very beginning, like five minutes ago, uh, we basically have just been watching streaming films. Any movies or VOD, paid VOD on iTunes and stuff like that. Um, Anything that we can stream with our remotes, those are the films that we watch. And so happens, HBO Max, they're doing a little day and date where they release a movie in theaters and then it goes right to their streaming site. It's detrimental to their box office success, as that's proven to be. Um, yeah. This movie made no money this weekend, but we do get to talk about some high-caliber films that uh, I think we're all looking forward to, and this one definitely was one that I couldn't wait to watch. Yeah, I, I really I knew nothing about this movie other than the fact that, hey, it's James Wan, um, and it's a new property for him. It's I, I believe he had a hand in writing this film as well as far as i know like he this is like his his movie yeah he wrote the script or he at least came up with the story and i think um his fiance or wife also wrote this uh did part of the script and then uh, another woman oh, did a pass okay. as well or i don't know i think it has three writing credits to be honest but he did direct it but this is his roots this is uh the horror genre that he kind of gets to dive back into because he's proved that he is a master at directing horror films with the insidious movies with the conjuring films uh he even has some other smaller ones like uh death sentence which isn't really horror but it's pretty intense and he also has one called dead alive uh or no dead silence yeah not dead not dead alive dead is dead silence is yeah. it dead silence um, am i getting that right i believe you're right because i just looked at his uh filmography which i think uh, he also I did saw, saw when it, the original yes yeah, dead so. silence like, i saw when it came out like back in 2007 and i was like way too young to really remember anything about it um be interested to check this one out but then he went and made fucking furious seven and aquaman two massive studio temple films that are very much not horror whatsoever uh very different genre but he still managed to make them pretty fun in my opinion i mean i had a good time with both of those uh I th- well, at least with Furious Seven, that's probably one of the best of the franchise. But Aquaman was. Right. Yeah, I actually really liked Furious Seven, and I've been a fan of pretty much all the movies that he's brought to screen, except Aquaman. I I thought yeah, that, that that was one just is... popcorn CGI crap. But here's um... the thing with that, because I have to mention <laughs> Aquaman only because it is relating to Malignant, because he did basically like one for you, 
one for me. It's like I'll do Aquaman sure, sure, and I'll sure. even sign on for the Aquaman too. But in the meantime, can I have like ten million dollar or whatever it was, probably a smaller budget. Probably a lot more than I that. Can I just for go fully unhinged and just make whatever the F I want to make? And that's what he did here. It was just wow. Yeah, no, James Wan has absolutely earned that right, and I, I love to see it because I'm down to watch pretty much anything he has his hands in. This movie's called Malignant. Uh, it's rated R, an hour and 51 minutes, which I was hoping for a longer film. I was like, I don't want a nice little cute hour and a half horror film. I want him to put everything he wants into this movie, and just I'm along for the ride. Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Happy birthday. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Did you know anything of the actual storyline before you watched it, or the only was this thing kind of just that I knew going into it? And I think we've kind of hinted at this already. I know we've talked about it uh, off the podcast, but we just knew nothing about this movie other than those like ten second YouTube promos that would appear of just her kind of running through the house, being chased by something, and like her hiding behind the door, and just yeah, I just knew that it was James Wan. It's going to be an, a kind of an original horror uh, story. And uh, I, that's literally the selling point for me. So I stayed away from all of the full-length trailers. I haven't even watched them still. Uh, just those like quick 10-second YouTube uh, ads that play before a video. It's like, okay, I don't want to see much, but all you can see is her running through a house. So I really didn't know much, uh, which I think really led to just like how... A great fucking, experience. Yeah, the experience like, of just yeah. watching the story unfold. Because right out of the gate, this movie is not going to be for everybody. It takes some turns with the story that are just so shocking and out of this fucking world. But uh, to be honest, like that's why I liked it so much because he was just especially, having a ball going back to his. Yeah. The roots. thing is like, especially for James Wan, because this, this one's out there, like in terms of the subject matter that it actually goes over um, the horror subject matter that I did not expect. It's not the typical like devil possession kind of paranormal um, haunting film at all like and it and it does set itself up for that type of thing where it does seem like it's going to be the very the run-of-the-mill concept um like the first 20 the minutes direction so of james wan pretty much like that where it's like i really because i didn't know anything about it and it's it's shot exactly like those conjuring movies because it's it's don oh, burgess's right. son who's the dp of this film michael burgess um so uh and he's also done like the other four conjuring spinoffs like uh he did the annabelle three or something and he did the curse of la Llorona, uh conjuring three he was okay. also the dp of and then james wan just basically shoots it exactly like the conjuring films in the first 10 20 minutes but then the movie does become a full-on like 70s italian slasher film well, like, I don't, you haven't seen those movies, but like Suspiria or, or like Dario Argento, like those type Mario Bava. Like, remember we watched Blood in Black Lace like a long time ago? Yeah. Okay, it's like those types that of was like weird. Uh, flashy type of murder mysteries, um, but just full on like excessive blood and gore too. And it's a movie that's self-aware yeah. in that aspect as well. Like it's very B-movie almost. 
And I think that there's a reason behind the, uh, there's actually quite a split with the, the audience versus critical rating. The audience is a 51, 76 critical. So I, I guess I'm not surprised now that you bring it up. Uh, I mentioned this in my letterbox review and you can both, you can follow us on our letterbox. If you click the link tree in our Instagram bio, uh, it's just right there. You can follow us. But, uh, I wrote literally, I wouldn't be surprised if the audience score is extremely low because I think general audiences are not going to know what to make of this. And I, yeah, I, I watched so. it before I even had a Rotten Tomatoes score because they kept the reviews hush hush. They didn't screen it pretty much for anybody. Like maybe like a select few, but there was no buzz around the movie literally until it released over the weekend, and then people started to watch it. Then people, then it kind of started trending on Twitter, and people were discussing it. But um, and the reaction has been ex- very split. And just I knew the second it ended, I'm like, yeah, this is gonna divide a lot of people. It was so <laughs> it, fun. It's though. interesting because you know, I, it's interesting because I really thought the divide was gonna be purely based off like they didn't want to. Uh, like give the twist away and stuff like that, like have reviews come out early and that's why there is an embargo because there is like very specific plot points that you don't want to give away. But yeah, the film has some weird shit that it covers in terms of subject matter that, yeah, I would not be surprised if a mainstream audience was like, I'm not into that. It's you know? so, so weird and unlike anything like a big studio has put out in a while, like we watched, a movie that we didn't talk about on the podcast, but it was called The Empty Man. And it was a film yeah. from 20th Century Fox uh, with a medium-sized budget, and it was just a balls-to-the-wall, weird type of movie. Like, it was just a strange concept. It's two hours and, like, 20-something minutes. And people just, like, the studio didn't know what to do with it. So they released a trailer, like, five days before it came out, dumped it in theaters, and made, like, a million dollars, and then it doesn't even have a physical media release. It just exists on HBO now. (laughs) So it just literally got dumped by the studio. This didn't really get dumped by Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers and James Wan have such a tight relationship. Um, They basically just funded him to basically have his, like, 12-year-old, like, dream of a movie. Uh, (laughs) That's honestly what the... I wonder how long this this concept's been simmering away. He's like, how can I bring this to the mainstream audience to see this? I can't even say it because I don't want to spoil it before we talk about some of the movie, but it's just so weird and and unexpected. To give more like context (laughs) and exactly why that is, I mean, just some of the, the way he decides to shoot it, like the big like scale of it essentially with is like remember the uh right. the asylum or the or the the hospital just the way that's like mm-hmm. shot especially when uh the sister goes and visits it in the middle of the night which is just a fucking weird choice and like he's on that cliff and then immediately that music yeah. plays like the he uses a lot of uh very wide angles um to the point where it's almost reminds me of like a scooby-doo episode where it's like looking up at the giant scary <laughs> asylum sure. and it's just you know what i mean with the with the creepy music the excessive use of it, fog like it, it literally is just like fog yeah the floor of that everywhere <laughs> in this like, even the scene like inside of a house or not even inside of a house they were like down in like some like subway or underground tunnel in a chase scene that was in the the uh the underground uh like for uh was it the ruins of seattle yeah, which exactly. is a real place and they were in this like yeah. room and it was that middle of the night it was when the detective was fighting the guy or the the malignant what, whatever it is the thing the thing whatever and, yeah. uh and there was just fog everywhere up to their shins i'm like this is literally just so scenic and cinematic <laughs> like he didn't give a shit it about sick. reality like this i can't complain just, about like, it this would yeah. be cool and not to mention all the like the use of like the red and blue and shit of the the lighting it's it's just like 
it's just a fun type of movie yeah like i was i was so invested like i loved everything he did in terms of filmmaking the production design they did they did the typical kind of james wan isms where he always has a way of making furniture terrifying oh yeah i don't know if you've noticed that but yeah yeah the set design's crazy it's always like a weird kind of old-timey couch or chair like he does the same thing in the conjuring 2 where it's like a haunted chair and then this one is where it's that couch and it's the first time you see a figure is in the middle of that couch oh yeah and he always does the slow kind of centered push-ins on just random pieces of furniture and i don't know how he does it but it fucking works (laughs) and it's scary and weird yeah um he does it so many times throughout the movie until we finally make our way out of that house um but it's why why is furniture scary? I don't know. It's just a sta- a, a stationary object. And this is also like one of his <laughs> most bloodiest films I think he's made. This movie is so gory. There's a scene that reminds me of Kingsman in the church. Yeah. Literally. I was it surprised Freebird did not play Kingsman. during that scene. <laughs> yeah. <It> was <laughs> that was insane. Like and there in are the so many jaw dropping moments like that. Yeah, the jail dude, Yeah, holy shit, dude. It was just fucking insane like i don't know it's hard to talk about this movie without really spoiling it so i mean i think we've done a good job so we've yet far. to spoil it i'm proud of us um but yeah i mean if we want to start diving into some specifics i'm sure i mean it's on Let's hbo max so go and see it for sure watch it did you know what was happening like what was going on so i was really trying to decipher the movie like i so i had the idea because because she has the kind of astro projection, or it seems like astro projection, when uh, she's like falling asleep and she starts to see these murders happening, right? Um, so I'm like, okay, she must be connected to like her dead brother or something. Little did I know, I was very, very far off. Um, so no, I did not. I did okay. not see the twist coming <laughs> because when they did that like bait and switch of when she was being interrogated in her own home and they were about to leave Mm -hmm. the house and then the um the real mother the biological mother falls through the attic and then onto the ground and then she screams then that music plays uh and then of course yeah um i was like wait a second if that was in her attic and the thing that we've seen so far is this kind of like skinny figure with like the black hair i was like it could be her but like how how could it be her i just didn't expect the how to really be the fucking how of it's coming out of the back of her head and it just but it's actually controls her and backwards <laughs> it's crazy because it's it's fucking genius but it's crazy because they do hint at it so many times throughout the movie yes yeah 100 percent. like and oh cut it out we need to cut out the cancer we need to cut out the virus or whatever and then when the husband it's... smashed her head into the wall that released her that opened him up to like take over the body or something because it opened up the big hole exactly in the back of her head but why the fuck would you ever think that and, uh, why would you ever be like oh yeah after it's a parasitic after a kill um she wakes up in the pillow screaming because she saw the vision and then like, the pillow is always like bloody because right it's yeah. come she's it's come back to her so uh yeah it's because i watched it twice i rewatched it um okay yesterday and it was just yeah it's just crazy they do hint at it a lot a lot from the opening scene too um it, which didn't make sense to me for a while until they finally reveal like oh the you're adopted part i'm like oh which is hilarious gotcha. like that that's was straight out of like <laughs> b-movie fucking comedy because it's like sydney no i'm adopted yeah that mm. 
Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is James Wan with so much homage to other just like different types of horror films. The ones that I feel like a little David Lynch in there with some very creepy kind of weird I don't think you vibes. can reference a David Lynch movie without actually have seen a David Lynch movie. So I'm basing it off the I one you've seen the I elephant saw of, man, like, but like that's that's there. I think that's a good example then wow. because he likes this like deformed bullshit, weird stuff. Okay, all right. He's very deformed, and this is about a deformity in a sense. Sure. So it was a real practical yeah, woman that, too that was doing the movements and everything. Hate that. Yeah. Ugh, Doesn't that just make you that. like? cringe i don't want to hear that <laughs> i wish I, I wish you didn't say that i'm sure it was a like a very um experienced contortionist because fuck well, it me, was dude. Yeah, i think no, i think this you. was the same yeah like i think she was probably on america's got talent like i'm not kidding i think she was um the actress that probably did the stunts but um the one thing about this movie though that i definitely it bogged it down a little bit for me was the whole detective kiko coco whatever his name is they had a hard time even saying his name in the movie, as far as I know. The whole detective angle, I could have done without. I get why they included it. They had a huge action set piece in the uh, in the cop, um, uh, the precinct. in the main room, yeah, the precinct. But like, I just I wasn't as invested with his character running around trying to find the killer and everything like that. I was more interested in the uh, I get it. Walsh's I get it. character and just what she was doing and with her sister and her family and then trying to figure it out herself i just i didn't need the detective story we didn't see it's not like we got into his family life or anything we didn't see anything about the actual person did we not Not really really, but i mean you do spend a good amount of time of him just kind of like investigating looking into it he has a little like weird flirtatious relationship with the crime scene photographer girl and like that was very weird why did that happen dialogue is just kind of like but uh it was just an aspect I just wish wasn't included because everything else in this movie I think is just so solid and just it, it just you haven't seen a movie like this in so long. I saw a tweet, but it's like when you watch over four hundred movies a year and three hundred and seventy five of them are pretty much the same movie, you begin to appreciate it when something just cocks at harm and swings for <laughs> all it's worth, whether it lands or not. And that's what this movie did. Like he didn't reference malignant in particular, but that was the whole conversation on uh, online. Right, everyone's like, "This is either trash or this is either awesome," um, and so like you gotta appreciate it when a movie just swings for the fences and it's just balls to the wall and made with passion. And I think that's what this movie is. Yeah, it's clear that everything James Wan loves about horror went into this movie, and he just he rolled with it because. You know, it's it's crazy. I was into it for the full hour and 51 minutes. Um, it is insanely campy at times. Like, it really is with the amount of bloodshed and just the creature itself when they finally just go with it and start showing it with her face, like, on its back and shit, where it just looked so clunky. It was just so fun. Like, this movie is something that I have been thinking about um, ever since I saw it, and I think it does deserve a rewatch. I don't really have any negatives about the film. The third act is a little too awesome. cheesy, maybe. <laughs> like, it leans into the cheese a little much. Like, because the point, the thing is, this movie is just so, it's a blender of just genres. Because yeah, yeah. you got a, a batshit crazy concept that, like, Dario Argento, Mario Bava, Brian De Palma, all those filmmakers would make a movie like this. Just so fucking weird and crazy. And most studios don't really tend to lean there anymore. So they just 
he James Wan made literally just a blender of a film because there's jump scares, there's brutal slasher gore, there's B movie comedy, there's excessive fog, there's choreographed action set pieces, and just constant twi- twists right. and turns throughout. So it's just you got to appreciate a movie when it comes along like this and like like that tweet said like whether it lands or not like i just you got to give it credit so so i had a very strong pressure in the back of my head after i watched this movie to the point where i had to look up if this was possible um <laughs> just because like yes this is a thing but typically the twin would not be alive and it can't feed off of you it's just a dead thing hanging off of the actual other twin that is alive so if you were worried about this being a thing it's not a thing i at least according to most cases of science <laughs> i was just enjoying i was genuinely like <laughs> i wasn't worried about the actual science of it i was like what I, is like this is based off of something i mean dude we've watched david cronenberg films like the brood and shit like it's just movies are just weird yeah, sometimes yeah, it it threw me for a loop for sure. Um, yeah, I guess what what would be your grade then for for *Malignant*? I think this is a solid four out of five. Like I w- watched it a second time, and I had almost the same amount of enjoyment as I did the first time, especially because I had seen the film already. So it was like, okay, I want to watch and see how they um, connected everything and hinted at stuff, foreshadowed, and it was fun. And I, it confirmed that I, I definitely didn't want the detective storyline either. So that's why it didn't. You know, it's not why it's you know higher. Um, it's a theme with the with the Wan movies, yeah. Like, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, Insidious. I think has a detective in there. It's it's def- it's not my favorite James Wan movie either. I mean, I definitely would put the first Conjuring over this. I'd put mm-hmm. maybe even the second. Uh, I'd put the first Insidious probably. I'd even put Saw over it. Uh, I I but this is definitely like he's made some great films, and this is just another one of them. Uh, it's just it's. I watched it twice and I enjoyed it very much a second time again. So yeah, four out of five. This is a great film. It's definitely on. And in, in in the words of Jeremy Johns, like this is a buy on Blu-ray type of movie. This is oh, one that you're going to want to have on your shelf. Oh man! Wow! All right. Yeah. Somebody doesn't I mean, like hate, fun. He's, he's very mainstream. He didn't though. like it. Yeah. He definitely. Yeah. He yeah. made some good it points. It wasn't Avengers Endgame. Like he was. He was I'm the sure he side did. that I was curious about and to like see the. Like, what they thought i actually didn't even i saw that nate gave it a three out of five so he didn't like it that much wow yeah so it's dividing people well then so it's fun you're gonna be shocked to hear i gave this i i initially gave this a five out of five <laughs> like I, I loved this movie Damn. bro it's my favorite movie of the year right now okay. um i'm gonna knock it down to a four and a half out of five Fair. bro just because i do really want to see a rewatch because of all the foreshadowing that goes into this movie yep um it it just it had me thinking about everything i was just this is a concept I've never seen, and maybe it's because I haven't seen those like Italian horror films where this is just like new to me, you know. Oh, that's why I watched it again. I was just thinking about it for a full day, like over twenty four hours. I was like, I'm still thinking about this movie, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch it again. <laughs> I did. It was pretty, yeah. It was my, worth it. You you have the you have the means to do that, sure. so I might as well. Um, yeah. I don't feel that way about like the Kissing Booth franchise, where it's like festering in my mind all day. I'm like, I gotta I gotta rewatch that. What's what's that franchise? You know, um, it's the one with Joey King that kind of, uh, who you know, gave us the following that we have on this podcast. It's not important. I know what you're you talking about. It's not. No. Okay, yeah, it's fine. Anyways, yeah, that's Malignant. Uh, Spencer, I don't do research anymore into the new release films of the week. That's kind of your thing. So is there anything coming out next week that I should be inclined to uh, watch? <sighs> 
shit. Is it another like Camilla Cabello film where she plays like a princess with John Cena and they're playing like a rabbit? Because the only movie that comes out is another HBO Max day and date release, and it's Cry Macho, Clint Eastwood's film about a, him chasing a rooster cross country. Uh, um, what? Uh, okay. Well, like a physical rooster, or is that like a metaphor for something? The film stars Eastwood as Mike Milo, a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder who, in 1979, takes a job from an ex-boss to bring a young man's son home from Mexico. Directed by Clint Eastwood. I like Clint Eastwood. Want to just watch Gran Torino and review that again? He's 91 years old. And he's directing (laughs) and starring in his fucking movie. Dude, just like, go play some golf or something, for fuck's sake. God, I love him. He's great. Uh, I mean, yeah, that would be the movie. You never know. We all we have lives too, but Mainstream Boy comes first, so we will definitely try to get an actual episode to you. Um, but we'll see. We are those movie dudes. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, maybe. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mainstream Boys. New episodes release every Tuesday, and you can stay up to date with everything related to those movie dudes by following us on Instagram. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you haven't already and you want to stay up to date with everything related to Mainstream Boys or the Those Movie Dudes podcast itself, check us out on Instagram at Those Movie Dudes. That's where we're going to post everything related to the podcast. And if this is something that would interest you, go ahead and check out our sister podcast, Those Fantasy Dudes, where Jonathan, Mainstream Boy himself, joins his friend Jake and they talk about their fantasy football leagues, all things related to fantasy football redraft keeper dynasty if that's something that tickles your fancy definitely check that out at those fantasy dudes on instagram and facebook and those fantasy dudes